Good morning. Good morning. And I hope it's not too late to say Happy New Year. I uh, missed last week being able to address you. Great to see everybody here today. And great for those who we don't see, but we know are online uh, worshiping with us. And uh, thank you so much for sharing. And if you are new to us today, whether in person or online, uh, welcome to our time together. My name is Randy. And uh, I, um, I want to just say, you know, I, I had a couple of weeks there that were pretty tough. Um, got through it though, and I'm looking forward to 2021. Hopefully, I've I've had COVID. I've had the flu. Maybe I'm. Is there anything else to have? I guess there are some other things, but I'm not not interested in knowing what they are. Well, today um, we're going to begin a, a new series, a fresh new year. We're going to begin it. We're going to be talking specifically throughout this year about our values as a church. And you know, it's important to know what's important to know and what you're living for and what what you're moving toward. And uh, so our three values as a church are connecting, growing, and sharing. And we believe that we best move on our spiritual journey whenever we are connecting, not only with God, but other believers, whenever we're steadily and consistently growing in our faith, and whenever we're sharing our faith. Those three things, we try to narrow it down. We have a lot of things that we do value, uh, but those are the three things that we kind of come back to and say they're really important to help us move on our journey, connecting, growing, and sharing with one another. Now, still we're, since we're still under the bondage, I feel like it's bondage of this virus in some way, uh, kind of controlling what we can do and can't do, uh, we're going to be talking about specifically about growing. We feel like it's kind of hard to connect sometimes, uh, whether you have your personal reservations or whether other people are a little bit standoffish, if you will. Uh, so it's maybe hard to connect. Sometimes it's hard to share our faith for the very same reasons. But you know, one area of growth that we can have is simply the second value, and that is growing. And this is something that we can do. You know, I believe that this season of time will probably never be forgotten by this generation. Um, None of us will ever forget 2020. Hopefully, the first two months of 2021 doesn't go much further. But we'll never forget this time, and we'll look back on the time, and we're going to reflect on some good things and some bad things. You know, Lori and I were just talking that this past year, last summer was a great time for us. We had a lot of time together at home. I was kind of working out of the house, and she was as well. We had a lot of time to garden. We had time to build some things. We had a lot of good memories from this year, but we also had some bad memories as well. But as you look back on this season of your life, what are you going to remember about yourself spiritually? What are you going to remember about yourself? I hope that you're growing spiritually, but I suspect that a lot of people will have to admit that they have regressed spiritually. I think a lot of people will have to admit that because we haven't had the connection that we have often had with other people, and that is just being free and comfortable and, and feeling good about being in worship. So if you're out there maybe and you're not comfortable with coming out just yet, we appreciate you joining us online Let me just say, though, there is something that makes it difficult when we can't be together with the body because we were made for community, we were intended for community, and when we're not with the body together, it's hard for us really to grow spiritually. So I want to encourage you to commit yourself to growing in this new year. And one way that you can do that is that we have a Bible reading plan. We passed this out last year. And and several of you told me how much you appreciated that. We have that uh, available again. I think it's out front, but it's also online. If you go online and uh, you go to Move University on our website, under the uh, topic of the title of Believe, you will see this Bible reading plan. So you can have it available to you, but also you can download it and print it there 
but we'd love to give you a copy if you want it. That's a great way that you can, regardless of where you're at, that you can just read the Bible. And that's one of the most important things that you can possibly do to grow spiritually. But we're going to begin the year by talking about something else that also every one of us can do, regardless of where we are and regardless of our take on the virus. We're going to talk about prayer. And today we're going to begin a series called Pray Like Jesus. Pray Like Jesus. You know, prayer is one of the most incredible opportunities that we have available to us today. Because we have the God of the universe who not only invites us, but who is waiting patiently to hear from us, who longs to hear from us, to hear of our request. And yet oftentimes we don't take advantage of that. Oftentimes we, we cut off the God of the universe who's just almost pleading with us to communicate with him. And we all know that we ought to pray, but, but is it a spiritual discipline to you? And when I say discipline, I mean something that you take time out, that you schedule regularly for, that you plan for, that you're intentional, that you know that you're going to spend some time in prayer, and this time is isolated. People are not invited into your, your, uh, your world at the moment. This is time you've cut out of your schedule, this intentional time that you spend with God. You know, prayer is a supernatural connection that we have between the world that we live in and the world that we see and the world that we don't see. Now, we think we see, a, we see an incredible world. We see a, a universe spread out around us, and yet we only see a small part of reality. The Bible shares, sometimes opens a curtain to show us that there is a spiritual world that is far greater, far broader, uh, more beautiful than the world we live in today. And so prayer is a way that we get a chance to kind of step from our daily mundane, daily lives into an incredible world of the, being in the presence of God. We go beyond the physical plane into the spiritual plane because God sees everything and God acts all across the spectrum of spiritual and physical as well. And prayer has a way of bridging the distance and bringing us into the actual presence of God. And while prayer sometimes I think can be intimidating for a lot of people, looking at the way that Jesus prayed, which is what we're going to do here in a, for a couple of weeks, I think it teaches us how to pray ourselves. And so it's important that we know how to pray and we pray like Jesus. Now, obviously, Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer. And so that's a great place to go. And you probably prayed, read the Lord's Prayer many times. Uh, that's not where we're going to be spending our time for the next couple of weeks, though, because there's another prayer that Jesus prayed that's recorded, the prayer of Jesus, recorded only in the Gospel of John. It's in John chapter 17, and it's a lot longer prayer. In fact, it's the longest prayer that is recorded by Jesus or in the Bible. And we're going to look at it, and we're going to kind of dissect it over the next couple of weeks, and we're going to talk about what it means to pray like Jesus prayed, because this prayer really reveals the heart of Christ. It reveals uh, even the wording that we can use to come before the Father. And uh, this prayer is oftentimes called the high priestly prayer of Jesus. And the reason is that Jesus in this prayer is really interceding for us and also reaching out to his Father as well. And it's called the high priestly prayer. The office of high priest was established by God at Mount Sinai whenever he gave the law uh, to Moses, gave the law to the Israelites through Moses. And Moses' brother Aaron was chosen to be the high priest and to be the, the, the father of high priests. And so subsequently, all of his descendants were chosen to be priests who were then responsible for interceding for Israel before God. 
That was back before we could go to God directly through Jesus, and they had to have individuals to do that. So one priest was scheduled every year to be called the high priest, and he would enter the Holy of Holies on the Day of Atonement to offer up a sacrifice that would temporarily cover the sins of the people. And basically, it would just kind of roll that forgiveness forward, roll their sins forward and forgive them for another year. And all of that, of course, obviously was paid for completely when Jesus came. But that high priest role was very important because he was the intercessor before God. Now, when Jesus came, he offered his life as the ultimate sacrifice that would not only cover the sins of the people of that day, but completely cleanse us all people, and save all of us. So there really wasn't any reason for any other high priest. And that's why today we don't have that office. We don't have that role. It's because Jesus is the ultimate high priest. And his intercession for us in John chapter 17 is an incredible multi-layer example of, of Jesus showing his love for us and, and fulfilling that role. And so we're, today, as we look at this prayer, we're going to listen to Jesus pray, and we're going to learn how to pray ourselves and pray like Jesus. And we're going to see in this prayer that Jesus prayed specifically for three things. He prayed for three things. First of all, he prayed for himself. Secondly, he prayed for other believers. And thirdly, he prayed for non-believers. And so those three things are going to kind of be the foundation for the next, uh, for three sermons in this series called Pray Like Jesus. Now, it might surprise you to think and to know that Jesus prayed for himself. We know that Jesus prayed for a lot of things and prayed to his Father, but Jesus prayed for himself. But if Jesus prayed, then prayer is important. And if Jesus prayed for himself, I think that tells us that we need to be praying for ourselves as well. You see, prayer is not just seeking what we want. And in this prayer, we're going to discover that it's more than just asking God for things for yourself. Prayer is not just asking for what we want. Prayer is seeking and building a relationship with God. Prayer is primarily communication with God which by the way, is how we build all of our relationships, right? You really don't have a relationship with someone unless you have some level of communication. And the depth of communication normally is what reveals the depth of the relationship. You know, what, what do a lot of couples say their problem is? Their problem is communication. And because there's little communication or poor communication, the relationship is not very strong. But it's true in every area of life, not only in, in marriage, uh, but also with our children, uh, we maintain communication with them, with our friends, with our coworkers. When we stop communicating with, with the people we work with or, or uh, our neighbors, whoever it may be, every relationship strength is basically built on the level and the depth of communication. And the same thing is true with us and God. So if we're going to be in a relationship with God, one way that we begin that, that we deepen that, uh, that we find the intimacy with God is that we deepen our prayer life. Now, I think all of us need to grow in our understanding uh, about prayer because prayer is very intimidating to some people. It's intimidating because they're not sure what to say and they're afraid they're going to do it wrong. And, you know, uh, you know they, they might just throw up a prayer every now and then. But as far as having a deep level of prayer, uh, it really isn't there in a lot of people's lives. And since it's so important to our growth, we're going to talk a little bit about prayer, just basic prayer. And the first thing I want to just note is that prayers, prayers can be old or new. And by that, I mean, there are some prayers in the Bible that are just amazing. I want to share one with you. Uh, Psalms 51, create in me 
A pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. I mean, there's so much in that prayer. We could just take off and talk about it. We're not going to do that. But, but you're asking God to give you a pure heart and a, and a love for him and a, a desire to grow in him. That's what I would call an old prayer. So there's, there's nothing wrong. And in fact, we should pray the old prayers. But we also need to pray what we might call a new prayer. And, and that prayer is what's currently going on with us. We don't just need to limit our prayers to the ones that are in the Bible. We need to be able to share and process what's going on in our lives at the moment with God. And that's the amazing thing about God is, is that God doesn't just want a, a communication level that uh, we know we're praying right because we're praying what's in the Bible, and that's great, nothing wrong with that, but God also wants it to be personal, and He wants it to be current. He wants to talk to you and you to talk to Him about what's going on in your life right now. And, and basically, the best communication that we can have with someone is not just sharing facts, but it's sharing feelings. It's, it's sharing the intimate thoughts of our hearts with that person. That's what deepens any relationship, Right? And so God wants that. God wants us to come to him with these new prayers and current prayers. Secondly, prayer can be a loud or silent, obviously, a loud or silent. You know, a lot of people pray out loud in order to keep their focus. And I will tell you that one of the things I struggle with personally when I pray silently is just distraction from prayers. So one way that you can limit that distraction, since you can't talk and maybe think different things, that's kind of difficult to do. One way to really focus in prayer is to pray out loud, and, and that's perfectly fine, even if you're alone. But also, when you lead other people in prayer, obviously there's a time to be vocal in that as well. But you know what? Some prayers are so intimate with God that then they can only be thought. They can only be thought when you cry out to God in that way and, and basically just breathe out to God. A prayer that, that is breaking our heart or an issue that's breaking our heart oftentimes can only, can, can't even be verbalized before God. We can only share that from our heart. So prayers can be a, a silent or aloud. Thirdly, prayers can be written or verbal. They can be planned or impromptu. You know, there are some people who use a prayer journal to write prayers down. There are, are certain people that do that. Uh, and, and that's great. One of the blessings of that or the positives of that is you can come back and see how God answered that prayer can write down, okay, this is what I prayed, and this is how God answered the prayer. Because sometimes we pray, and then we get an answer, and then we move on. And oftentimes, we may not be even go back and thank God for the, the answer. So a prayer journal is a great way to do that. Uh, but, but I would say this, that even if you <clears throat> write your prayers down, make sure to keep your prayers fresh and personal. Fresh and personal. Don't just read somebody else's prayers. Nothing wrong with that at times, but they really need to be your prayers that you are sharing with God what's going on in your world. So they can be written, verbal, planned, or impromptu. And then fourthly, uh, here's a catch-all. You can pray anytime, anywhere, alone or in a group, privately or publicly. So you see what? There, there aren't a lot of rules about prayer. Don't feel like that you're going to pray wrong because uh, that would be like saying, I'm afraid to have a conversation with my wife. I'm afraid I'll say the wrong thing. You know, I need to use wisdom, but I want to communicate and share what's on my heart. And that's what God wants for us as well. So anyway, that's just some basic rules about it. But now we're coming down to John chapter 17. And in John 17, we find Jesus praying. And you have to realize <laughs> what was going on 
at this point in Jesus' life. It is the last day of Jesus' earthly life, the last day that he was going to be alive, only hours before his arrest, before his trial, and before his crucifixion. Jesus is with his disciples. He has just given them the Lord's Supper in the upper room. He has told Judas to go do whatever he has to do. And the last verse of John 16 says this, in the, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So he is telling his disciples, trouble is coming, trouble is brewing. However, I'm going to overcome it, and you're going to overcome it as well. And then in verse uh, 1 of John chapter 17, in moving into prayer, it says, after Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you've given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began." Now notice in these first few verses of John 17 that this prayer from Jesus is distinctly personal, that Jesus is praying for himself. And I think from that, it's important for this statement, let me make a statement, that prayer begins by knowing who we are in relationship with God. Prayer begins by knowing who we are in relationship with God. Jesus lifted his eyes to heaven, and he called out to his Father. And by the way, that is Jesus' favorite term for God, Father. He called out to his Father. And you know what? Not only was he Jesus' Father, he's our Father as well. He's our Father as well. If you are a, a, a believer and you're in a relationship with Jesus Christ, then you are a child of God. You may not realize that, but you're a child of God. You have certain privileges. You have an invitation. You have opportunity come to come before God. Have you ever noticed that, that if you are a parent, that you don't have to train your child to come to you and ask for something? You don't have to set them down and say, now listen, if there's ever anything you need, you need to come and... We don't have to have that conversation. I never had that with my, my kids. They, they figured it out pretty much on their own because they were my kids, it's just natural. They ask, and then we do our best to give them what they want, if it's the right thing. But only our kids. If your kids come, come to me and start asking for things, I'm going to go, you need to go ask your mom and dad about that. I don't even know if they want you to have that. It's not that I don't want to give it to you, but, but I don't do that for other people's kids. Being a part of a family gives you a privilege that nobody else has. And you know what? Our Father, our Heavenly Father, has unlimited resources, and He loves to give good gifts to His children. And so we ought to feel free to know that prayer begins by understanding and knowing who we are in relationship with God. Now also understand that as every parent, like a wise parent, you have to decide, what is best for my child? They come and ask for something. Do I always say yes? No. Do, do I sometimes say no? Yes, I do. Sometimes I'll say later. Yeah, you can have that, but not right now, later on. And God answers in a very similar way. We have to understand that he is a father who wants the best for us and knows the best for us. So just because we think we need to have it right now doesn't mean we're going to get it, but we have a father who wants us to come and ask, and he will do what is, what is best for us. You know, Jesus here, 
is coming to the Father in his moment and his time of greatest need. Greatest need. I don't know if you know what else is going on at the moment, but at this very moment, his enemies are literally gathering together to come and to arrest him. During this time, Judas has gone out to betray Jesus, to tell them where Jesus is, to lead them to Jesus. Jesus is with his disciples. They're on, on their way to the garden, and Jesus is talking to them, and he's praying, but his enemies are gathering around him. And the next few hours of Jesus' life are going to be the most difficult hours that he's ever lived. And alongside of that, or on top of that, is the greatest event in history of the world is about to occur And Jesus is going to be in the middle of all of that. It is literally his hour of greatest need. So here's the principle that comes from that is the the bigger the issue is in your life, the more you need to pray. The bigger the issue is, the more you need to pray. Jesus prayed all the time. You don't wait for the big events and the hard times to pray. But when those times come, that's when you really intensify your prayers. And sometimes God gets you around the issue. Sometimes God gets us through it. Sometimes gets us over it. But we pray because in our time of need, there's nothing wrong with asking God to spare us from from suffering. And, And this prayer of Jesus right here is going to lead into another prayer, a more intense prayer that that we know Jesus prayed in the garden, where he's going to ask God to exempt him, if at all possible, from the physical and spiritual suffering that he's about to experience. And you probably know, of course you know, God says no to that. This is a prayer that Jesus is praying to his father that God says no to. And and Jesus is okay with that because he's fully in the will of God. He understands this is God's will for his life. But it's interesting understanding and knowing all of that, what Jesus prays for himself. Right now, he asks God to glorify him. He asked God to glorify him. But you know, it's not for his own glory. Here's what he says, glorify your son that your son may glorify you. Now, what does glorify mean? In general, glorify means to lift them up for honor and praise. It means to recognize someone. It means to kind of lift them up and say, look what this person has done or look who they are. And Jesus asked his father, to glorify himself. Now, keep in mind that Jesus is in full submission to his Father. He doesn't want the glory for himself. He's not self-seeking in this. He wants the glory for his Father. Jesus always gave the glory to God. He never took recognition. He never took the glory for anything he did, anything he said, anything that happened. He always gave the glory to God But he recognized as a child of God, he had a role and a certain authority to fill. He says, for you granted him, that is Christ himself, authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those that you have given him. I just want you to see the intensity of this prayer because when I was reading through this, this is not the prayer of a timid, desperate, defeated, pitiful soul here that's looking for some sort of comfort because he knows he's got to go through something bad. This is a prayer of a confident child of God who is longing to glorify his Father in everything he does and willing for the Father to let whatever needs to happen in order to fulfill the role that had been given to him. As I thought about that, I thought, you know, we don't pray like that. Most of us don't. I don't think. I don't think I pray like that. We don't pray prayers of full obedience, submission to our Father. You know, sometimes we sing the songs, and I don't know if you ever listen to the words 
that we sing, but many of those songs are prayers of full submission to God. They're almost a prayer that we're singing, and we need to think about the real depth of the intensity, the commitment that that song is leading us into, but we oftentimes don't pray like that. We would all struggle to ask God to glorify us. As I was reading this, I was thinking, how do we think about that? Jesus asked God to glorify him so the glory would go to God. We would all struggle to ask God to glorify us, and yet God wants to be glorified through us. Do we have the courage to say, God, I want to be a reflection of you. I want people to see you when they look at me. God, help me to be that kind of person. That's a a prayer of deep submission there. We don't pray like we have full confidence in our Father We don't pray like we have authority or power. And yet the Bible says in Revelation 3 that Jesus says to the saints, the one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. And Revelation 2, the one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. Jesus says, we are faithful. We get to sit on the throne with Jesus, the throne of God who rules the universe. Try to let that sink into your life and think about the role that God wants you to play, what God has called you to do and be, that you would be a reflection of Jesus, that you would be glorified to bring glory to God, not to yourself. You know, I think about this, and I think Jesus could only ask this because he was fully in the will of God fully in the will of God. Think of what's going on at the moment. There was nothing selfish that was happening here about Jesus. In fact, it was selfless, totally. And that could only come from an intimate prayer life where he prayed boldly for himself. Jesus prayed for himself, which is how God wants us to pray. I mean, do you want to sit on the throne with Jesus and judge angels and nations? The Bible says if we conquer in Christ, then we'll do that. I don't understand what all that means exactly, but I want to do that. If so, then we need to pray like Jesus. Father, glorify me so I can glorify you. You know, what I've discovered is that people have a hard time praying for themselves. (laughs) Is that a lot of people... You know, if it's an honest prayer, I mean, if it's a selfish prayer, like, God, get me out of this mess I've gotten myself in, or, or, you know, or take care of this or that, whatever it is, those are kind of selfish in, in many ways, and that's really not the depth of praying that we're talking about today. But a lot of people, I think, have a hard time praying for themselves, especially like Jesus prayed. And why is that? I think there's a couple of reasons. First of all, I think praying for ourselves seems kind of selfish, it seems a little selfish when we think about it. I mean, there are so many other needs that people have. There are so many problems that people have. Shouldn't we be praying for them and not ourselves? But let me just say this, that there is a sense, I think, in which if we want to be of any help to others, we need God to help us first. We need God to help us first. I don't think it's a selfish prayer. I was thinking about this. You know, if you've ever flown, I'm sure most people have, but Before you take off, the stewardess stands up and she goes through this little uh, ritual, this uh, conversation that you probably heard every time you've flown. But one of the things she says is if the cabin pressure changes, what will happen? This little mask will fall down from above you. The door open and it'll fall down. And what does she say to do? She says, as soon as that happens, you take the mask and you put it on yourself. You tighten it up. She tells you how to do that. And she says, then you help other people. 
an older adult or a child or whoever it may be. Now, why do they do that? I mean, wouldn't it be better to help them first? We know the answer, right? Because if you're incapacitated, you can't help them. So you have to help others. You can't help other people until you're good yourself. So why should we pray for ourselves? Well, the neediest person I know right now is Randy Nation. And so I ought to pray for him because if something happens to me personally, I can't help anybody else. If I lose the faith, I can't pray for you. If I get stuck spiritually, I'm not going to be able to help move anybody else beyond myself. So it's not selfish to pray for myself. And then I widen the circle to family, to our church leaders and our staff and sick and those who are struggling and marriages and everything else. It's not wrong to pray for ourselves. 1 Thessalonians 4 says, it is God's will that you should be sanctified. This is what we pray for. The more that we are sanctified, the more that we are made holy, the more use will be to others and to God. That's why we ought to pray for ourselves. Because as we read a few moments ago, not only is Jesus a priest, that we are priests as well after the order of Christ. We are the link between God and our world. The Apostle Paul said this, he said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. I think it was another way of saying, God, will you glorify me? Will you use me to bring you glory? And if we prayed like that, maybe our attitude of life, maybe our, the way we wanted things would be a lot different. Not only does praying for ourselves seem selfish, but it also, it feels hard. It's hard to pray for yourself because if I'm honest, it's a lot easier for me to look at the needs of other people around me, people that might be worse off than I. Look at those needs. It's easier than to turn inward and consider the needs of my own heart. It's easy for me to gloss over the struggles and weaknesses that I may have. It's easier to pray for other people's material needs than it is to pray for my own spiritual needs because their needs are concrete and my needs are vague and sometimes I don't want to admit them. But praying for ourselves doesn't mean that our prayers are vague or hard. We should pray, as I read a few moments ago, that we should be made holy, that we would be sanctified, that God would work in our lives. God would use us to bring glory to Him and that godliness would deepen in our life that we would grow in our relationship with him. Now, I know that a lot of people need a prayer list, all right? We do better with lists. We need something to look at. So let me give you a list, all right? That'll help out a little bit. Really, really simple. You can go to Galatians chapter 5. Here we find a list of things that we ought to grow in. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So there's a list. If you want a, a list of some things you can pray for yourself, these are the things that God wants to grow in your life. He wants the Spirit to develop and produce greater fruit in our life. And we could all use some improvement and growth in these areas, right? Every one of us do. But God promises that whatever we ask for in His name, we will receive. And I believe that includes when we pray for ourselves as well. Now, to fully understand that promise, though, you also got to acknowledge, you have to acknowledge that there are some uh, conditions that the Bible attaches to this great broad promise. And the first one is that we pray according to God's will. We have to ask according to God's will. You know, this kind of takes out a lot of the things that we're tempted to pray for, 
the selfish things in our life. We know they probably aren't God's will for our life, but, but they, the world compels us to pray for them. But the first, if we ask according to God's will. The second, that we have faith that God hears and God will respond, that we trust God. And then thirdly, that we have a commitment to obedience, that we're in the will of God. You know, 1 John chapter 3 says, Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, <coughs> we have confidence before God and receive from Him anything we ask because we keep His commands and we do what pleases Him. You know, I believe that Jesus could pray this prayer in the garden for Himself <coughs> because He was fully in the will of God, because He fully trusted His Father completely in everything, and He was fully obedient. If God told Him, He was willing to do it. And so I believe in the same way, if we ask according to God's will, if we have faith that he'll answer and we're committed to obey, then we are prepared to receive the answer that God may have for us. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about really praying for yourself and, or if maybe your prayers have always been kind of, you know, for health and family and the things that are important. But, but to me, this kind of takes it to a much deeper level, a level that we could all experience some personal spiritual growth in. And so I'm really grateful that we can pray for ourselves, for spiritual growth. But I got to be honest, and maybe a little bit selfish, and say, man, I, I'm so grateful that we can pray for our own personal needs as well. And I'm grateful because you probably know that a couple of weeks ago, um, I got the flu. I was diagnosed with flu A two days before Christmas. Yeah, it was kind of a lousy uh, holiday for us, and, uh, and, and my wife was sick as well. And uh, I want to tell you, flu A is a bear. Uh, it really is a beast, or it was for me. I mean, there was, there was no relief. I had a, a racking cough that was unproductive, but just kept going. I couldn't stop. I couldn't eat. I, I was chilled. I, I had fever. Um, I was nauseated. It was pretty bad. And, you know, I'm not, uh, I think I'm pretty tough, maybe medium level tough, but I'm not a very good patient. And, uh, and I, I, you know, to me, when they said, oh, you're just going to deal with it for, you know, 10 to 12 days, I did not like that. And, and I struggled with that. And I, I don't, I, maybe I felt sorry for myself. I don't want to be overly dramatic, but it's the sickest I've ever been in my life. Never been that sick before. And, uh, you know, like everybody, I cried out to God for healing and asked God to heal me. But, you know, on the other hand, I said, God, uh, there's two options here. <laughs> I want to get well or I want to die, one or the other. And I was literally at that place. I'm not being overly dramatic. Um, but I cried out to God uh, for that. And I'm so grateful that God chose to heal me. Uh, I really am. I think I'd be better off if I was in heaven, but I, I really was glad that he chose to heal me. But I remember one night laying there in bed, feeling sorry for myself and praying to God, asking God, please, to, to make me feel better, to take this away. And, and, and calling out to God, and mindful of this, I thought, wow, I'm going to preach a sermon on praying for ourselves. What a great e example and, and, you know, reason to do this. And, uh, but I was laying there in bed, and, and suddenly my prayers turned to worship as I began to think, you know what, God has got this. I, I don't really want to go through it, but sometimes we have to go through things, but God's got this. And it was at that moment that I really felt, I think I might make it. I think I might live. And certainly I have a testimony of God's power of healing in my life. 
So I'm grateful that he lets us pray for the deep things, the spiritual things, but also for our personal needs as well. And I want to encourage you, pray for yourself. And read through this scripture, these five verses, uh, and there's much more that we didn't get to there today. But, uh, but just think how Jesus prayed for himself. In the will of God, obedient, fully willing, submissive to his will, and how God blessed him and God did glorify him.